the muzzleloaders.com podcast, your source for all things muzzleloading. How's it going, everybody? This is Darren with the muzzleloaders.com, and you're listening to the Muzzleloaders podcast. Uh, we're recording from our LeGrand Rendezvous, and we have Daryl Plank with us today. Uh, and Daryl has been just doing rendezvous for a really, really long time, and uh, so we just wanted to sit down with him and kind of talk about black powder talk about why you know young people should be getting involved in it and why it's still super fun sport um and so how, how you doing today daryl i'm i'm doing just fine i'm glad to be here and have this rendezvous yeah we've, we've been doing it since uh, about 1973 wow wow so that's that's pre-bicentennial yes it is <laughs> that's awesome that's cool yeah and i know that um, you probably remember in 1976, I just heard about it, um, but in 1976, there was the bicentennial and there was a huge increase in, you know, interest in black powder. Um, do you remember that time and all that stuff? Well, actually, we were a little bit isolated, you might say here. And uh-huh. so it was just kind of a group got together and, and that's kind of what we started. Mm, interesting. How many people were there at the first rendezvous? Probably, probably about 50 anyway. 50? Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, and how long have you been doing? Is that was that your first rendezvous, or had yes, you been doing it? Yes, it was. That? Uh, 1974 was the first rendezvous that I went to. Awesome, and that was right here. And uh, the other uh, towns around the country, other clubs had mm-hmm. rendezvous going probably three or four years ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And so when I found out about this one, mm-hmm. I uh, came out to it and. Just got started in it, and I've been going to them all over the country ever since. Awesome. Yeah, so how uh, how many rendezvous do you think you go to each year? Well, there for a long time, I was going pretty steady, and yeah. I've kind of backed off a little bit now to where now I probably go to uh, February, March, April, May, June, and then I skip until about September, and I pick up a couple in September. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, I know that my first rendezvous was um, Elkhorn here in March. Uh-huh. And I, because, you know, I've been doing black powder inline type stuff for a long time, but had never made it to a rendezvous. And Louis, uh, Louis Michael, one of the guys who's just been around forever, he invited me out to that one. And I just had a fantastic time. And uh, it's just a great day where you get to come out, shoot guns all day long, throw hawk and knife. And I think that one of the things that really sticks out to me is just the amazing community. You know, it's just everybody you meet here is super genuine, welcoming, um, and just here to have a great time, you know. Uh, I've I found that the muzzleloaders are just an exceptionally friendly bunch of people that yeah. get together and help each other. For sure, yeah. And it's like if I needed anything, I know that, like, everybody would be chomping at the bit to help me out with something that I needed, you know. Yeah, so. it, correct. Yeah, and how many other, like, I know that you've done a lot of cowboy action and stuff like that. Um, how long have you been in the shooting sports in your life? Well, actually, I've been shooting since I was nine years old. Oh, okay. <laughs> I never owned a BB gun. I started out with a twenty two, uh-huh. and uh, I've been shooting ever since. But then uh, along, oh, probably in about in the mid-50s, my dad bought me a 22 that held more than one shot there you and go. <laughs> and my uh accuracy hurt from there because sure. i had i could shoot 11 shots in a row just typical kid <laughs> uh and when i got into muzzleloading again you're shooting one shot at a time so mm-hmm. it uh it became more fun yeah exactly well that's i remember my first 22 i, I was a single shot 
and I had that for a lot of years. And then when I got older, I finally got, uh, same as you, finally got one that'll shoot more than one. And the <laughs> same thing. It uh, was nowhere near as accurate, you know. <laughs> right, right, yeah. It's just spray and pray, I guess. Yeah. So have you found that using muzzle loaders, are you more accurate with a muzzle loader than, say, like a lever action? I won't say that I'm more accurate. Uh, I've just become more accurate in all of my shooting because uh-huh. of the single shot. Oh, interesting. Uh, and, and, of course, I know in the Navy we had to qualify with the M1s there, uh-huh. and uh, I enjoyed that because I had been used to shooting already. Uh-huh. And then I, then I got into the muzzle loading here, and my accuracy has picked up considerably. Interesting. Yeah, I know that there's all kinds of, you know, there's people that are come out here and just hit every single one. I've heard that you're one of those people. I know that you're too humble to probably admit it, but. <laughs> I just call myself a fair shooter, and that's about it. There you go. <laughs> um, so, like, in all your years, how, how have you seen uh, rendezvous change? Because you've been doing rendezvous for, like, 50 years now. How, how have you seen it grow and develop over the years? Well, uh, number-wise, I would say it, it's been kind of, in cycles, little mm-hmm. ups and downs. So I think we're on a bit of a downswing right now, but uh, uh, I'm finding that uh, when we first started out, most of the rendezvous we shot a lot of paper. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we started shooting the steel targets, and everybody liked the reactive targets better. Sure, so yeah. most of the rendezvous are all that now. There's very, very little paper involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know that NMLRA, it's like the National Muzzleloading Rifle Association over in Friendship, they do a lot of just strictly competitions, and they'll shoot paper instead of steel. Yes. Um, and there is a lot more, you can be a lot more precise, a lot more competitive that way, but I do think that, in my experience at least, shooting the steel is more reactive and more fun, especially if you're trying to branch out and, you know, just get people interested in enjoying muzzleloading, you know. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh there is a place for paper because mm-hmm. now you sit down and you can see what you're doing. Uh, a steel target, if you hit it anywhere, it reacts. Mm-hmm. But you don't know whether you're, you might say, in the 10 ring or the clear out in the 5 ring, but it's still a hit. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we still shoot at our club shoots here. We still shoot quite a little paper just to make sure we're where we're supposed to be. Sure, yeah. And... Uh, then the rendezvous, like I say, they're all partner all reactive steel targets, mm-hmm. like silhouettes and trail walks and all that stuff. Yeah, we're one of the few that do the silhouettes. Oh, interesting. Uh, most of them are a steel trail walk, mm-hmm. and uh, I've got the sil- silhouettes started down in uh, Troy now, mm-hmm. and so we shoot them there, and I shoot them here. I know we, we shot them at the Elkhorn too, up in over in Baker. Uh huh. Yes. So I honestly really enjoyed the silhouettes because it's a little bit more of like close, medium, far, and oh, more challenging, yeah. you know. So because um, when you got to the farther ranges, it's not just about hitting them. It's about hitting them in the right spot so that they fall over. Yes. Some of them are pretty tough to knock over. The smaller caliber guns are, you have to hit them really square. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and ha- so, you know, you mentioned there's a lot of ebbs and flows and everything in rendezvous over the years how do you feel about the future of it do you think that you know when when people like you another 10 15 20 30 years do you think people will still be having rendezvous or um, do you think its future is secure i i truly feel that it will stay there because uh it's a particular gun mm-hmm. that 
people don't think are nasty guns. Yeah, you know, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and and it, it's historical to mm-hmm. boot, and so it it it's a challenge to shoot. Yeah. And uh, I think that uh, the muzzle loading organization and shooting will continue. That's good. I'm glad to I'm glad to hear somebody with as many years of experience as you say that because somebody like me, I've been in the muzzle loading for six years or so, and it's hard for me to imagine what the future is going to be like, you know. But I'm glad to hear that you know, in your opinion, you think it's going to stick around. So I I really feel that uh, I am. I guess I I won't say that I'm not displeased, but uh, we shoot all traditional. We mm-hmm. don't shoot in lines or bullets. It's yeah. all. Uh, authentic you might say old style yeah uh, round ball and patch and uh, seems like most people when they start in muzzleloading at the rendezvous they start with a percussion rifle mm-hmm. and they'll shoot it and if you're really interested in it you'll eventually you'll evolve evolve into flintlocks sure yeah which, uh, requires a little bit more expertise and mm-hmm. practice uh but in my opinion, flintlocks are a whole lot more fun. Yeah, I was I was this close to bringing a flintlock today because I was able to find some 4F Go-X powder, and I was like, oh, boy, I, I really want to bring it. But I decided, you know, just I'm going to come up, I'm going to shoot percussion, we're going to have a good time, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll get some practice behind the flintlock before the next rendezvous. So, <laughs> uh, And I have found that uh, if you forget the 4X, don't worry about it. You can prime with 3F or anything like that, which I really? have done. A lot of the shooters we have uh, do that. Mm-hmm. They shoot the same grade of powder in their pan as they do in their rifle. Really? So do you think that you could even do with 2F or 3F is kind it of the limit? It would work, but you'll find the speed of the flash is slower with interesting with 2 or 3F as opposed to 4F. Hmm. And I really like a, like a 5 or a 7F myself. Hmm. Because it's really fast. Wow, yeah. I can't even imagine. Where do you find that? Do you have to go directly through manufacturers, uh, or is it available? Yeah, and a lot of times you make your own. You're very careful. You take a little bit of coarser powder mm-hmm. and a mortar and pestle, and you grind it yourself. Awesome. Do you, do you make your own black powder? No, I do not. You just take the, like, 4F and grind it down slightly? Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I know I've heard a do, do you cast your own balls? Yes. Okay, yeah. And and so what is your what's your like go to so if you're going to be doing like a a trail walk versus uh, um, like silhouettes what what are your go to muzzle loaders for those? Actually, uh, I started out with a 45 for well my first gun was a 54 I shot mm-hmm. it for quite a while and I turned it into strictly a hunting gun uh-huh. and I went down to a 40 caliber or to a 45 to start with. Mm-hmm. And I really like that 45 caliber. It's got enough whop to hit a target and knock it over, and you can hear it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now I shoot a 40, mm-hmm. and sometimes you can hit a target, and it can't be heard. Mm. So you're a little bit of a disadvantage there, but I like it because it uses less lad mm-hmm. and less powder, yeah. and there's absolutely no recoil. Yeah, and I know that you can use the 40 for, like, the squirrel shoots. Um but have you noticed any, like, I guess, and you say 45 too. So going with the lower calibers for just standard silhouettes and trail walks versus the squirrel shoot, is there any advantage to having 40 caliber across the board? Or is it better to go, like, 40 for the squirrel and then jump up to, like, a, a 50 for trail walks? I think that's purely a, a 
personal preference, mm-hmm. really. And I just like using the same all the time. Sure, yeah. Uh, then if you get into a, a longer range shooting, I go to a larger caliber then because they carry up a little bit better. Mm-hmm. They buck the wind a little bit better. Awesome. Yeah, and so what is your what's your favorite event? So we talked about, you know, I guess squirrel shoots. You know, for those of you who don't know, that's a smaller caliber event. And then everything else, you have a pistol walk, you have a trail walk, hawk and knife. Um, like out of all these things, out of all your years of experience, which one of them really is is one that you enjoy the most? You know, I like them all so much. I, I'd be hard-pressed to say what I like the best. <laughs> uh, I do enjoy a hawk and knife trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really do. But the, the rifle trail, uh, I like it better than the pistol trails. I, I like shooting a rifle better. Yeah. Interesting. And, uh, of course, everything I shoot is flintlock, so my pistols, mm, rifles, mm. and everything. And I, I really like a trade gun trail, too. Okay. Trade guns are fun. They're very versatile. You can shoot shot in them. You can shoot round balls in them. Uh-huh. Uh, I have even set them up where you shot rocks in them. Oh, wow. Huh. Uh, you know, I, I set up a trade gun trail. It's say, uh, on the card, it'll say, you're out of meat. You need to shoot something. But you don't have any balls. Find a rock that fits. Huh. And uh, if you can find a rock, and it, it won't hurt the barrel because you're patching it anyway. Yeah. And in a smooth bore, you can put anything down it, so it wow. works well that way. That's cool. Just fun. Is there, a, is there a trade gun competition at this rendezvous? Or Yes, there is. There is. Huh. That's awesome. And so what is, so I guess for, for everyone that doesn't know, is a trade gun just a smooth bore? So like would a musket be, con- like a smooth bore musket, would that be considered a trade gun? Actually, it wouldn't be considered a trade gun. It would be classified as a musket, but it could shoot in the trade gun class. Interesting. The thing about the muskets, usually they have rear sights, mm. and a trade gun is not allowed a rear sight. And so only like a front bead, like a shotgun, like a front yeah. bead. Yes. Interesting. That's really cool. And they have to be a single trigger. They can't be a set trigger. Okay. A smoothbore, flintlock, front sight only. Yes. That's cool. That's really cool. I, I honestly had no idea about that. That's awesome. I'm really yeah. glad that uh, we were able to sit down and, and I'm able to get some of your knowledge on that. <laughs> uh, well, they were, they were built uh, as a trading stock. Mm-hmm. So they, they were a very cheap weapon. You could buy them... Back in the old days, mm-hmm. uh, you could buy them for two or three dollars a piece, and they brought them out west and they traded them to the Indians mm-hmm. for furs, and uh, that way they could uh, the Indians would have access to a rifle that way. But they were not a long range weapon; they're they're fairly yeah. close range. Mm-hmm. So you're talking like like maybe like twenty five yards, or you think you could stretch it out to fifty? Oh, I, yes, you could stretch to 50 pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, it's it's iffy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you said everything you shoot is flintlock. Is that yeah. right? Yes. Okay, what flints do you use? Do you nap your own? Do you, uh, I'm, I'm guessing like agate flints are probably something you stay away from, but do you use other like just standard flints? I normally buy my flints when I get hold of them. And, and the English make the good black flints. The French mm-hmm. make the amber flints. And I have gone back and forth to which I like the best, and mm-hmm. I still haven't made up my mind. <laughs> as long as they work, yeah. uh, I'm happy with them. And sometimes you'll get a black one or an amber flint that you get a half a dozen shots out of, mm-hmm. and they're dull. But some of them retain their edge so good that you can get 
20, 30, 40 shots out of it. Mm, interesting. And then you have to re-nap them just a little bit, and you get another bunch of shots out of them. Interesting. So how many shots do you think you could get off of one flint before it's napped down to nothing? I would say you could, you should get, you know, 60, 70 shots out of it easy. Mm. I, I'm sure that other people get more they're probably better at napping the flint than I am. Uh, sometimes I get a little carried away and I hit them a little bit too hard. Sure. Uh, and once a flint is made, it's got a, a particular shape with a sharp, very sharp edge on it. Mm-hmm. And when you nap it, it changes the shape of the edge so you don't get as many good shots as you did right from the start. Okay, interesting. So it kind of like funnels down. So at the beginning, you'll get a lot of good ones. As it funnels down, you're going to get lesser and less. Yeah, because the angles on the edge get, uh, they're not near as sharp. They're getting uh, a blunt. That makes total sense. That's cool. And some of the locks actually will shoot a dull flint pretty well. I've got one in a pistol that just seems to shoot forever. Uh But my rifle, uh, I have to nap it every now and then sure have you had any trouble with the frizzins i know that um we've had people say that sometimes their frizzin will get you know damaged or dented how long do you think your a frizzin will last you uh usually a frizzin will last several hundred shots easy mm-hmm. uh, they can be resurfaced and i have done that to them mm-hmm. uh, you have to get it just right or they don't spark you get them too hard they won't spark good or if they're too soft mm-hmm. they wear out quick uh but it's just one of those things that working with a flintlock rifle, you learn to do. Yeah, for sure. And so I really appreciate your time today, Daryl. I know that you're a busy man running this rendezvous. Um, but if if somebody's listening to this and they're just considering getting into muzzle loading or they're really new and you know something like a rendezvous seems kind of intimidating, like what would you say to them? I would say come out and watch what's going on mm-hmm. and talk to all the people. And if you talk to 10 people, you'll get 10 different answers. Uh, But they can steer you the right direction, Mm -hmm. and you can make up your mind what you like the best. Normally, like I said before, they'll start out with a percussion. Mm -hmm. They seem simpler, but uh, you will evolve eventually probably into a flintlock. Yeah. Some people have a problem with a flintlock because there's that big flash in front of your eyes, and there's a heavy hammer falling, so uh-huh. uh, you learn follow-through on your shot pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, so I would say the best thing to do is just come out to a rendezvous or at least even a club shoot mm-hmm. and stand around and talk and listen, and anybody will give you their gun, and you can shoot it. Yeah. So, you know, you get a feel for everything that way. Yeah. And I'd say there's not really many other shooting sports in the world that are as welcoming as rendezvous community because people get in their mind if i go out there i'm not going to know anything i'm new no one's going to want to show me i'm going to be left alone and that has not been my experience whatsoever you know everybody's been it's like a big family out here you know it really is and i think muzzleloaders are probably the top of the lot there Mm -hmm. Uh, i know the cowboy action people are virtually the same Mm -hmm. but uh i've just found that muzzleloaders are so helpful all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yourself included. So <laughs> even willing to sit down here in the middle of the heat and, and record a podcast with me. So <laughs> awesome. Well, did you have anything else that you just want to say? Uh, you know, any final thoughts, Daryl? Other than uh, 
come out and see what it's all about and enjoy yourself. Yeah. Uh, we have a Pacific Primitive Rendezvous that happens in uh, on the West Coast every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, they don't open their doors to the public to mm-hmm. come in and see. The Primitive Rendezvous back east allow that, uh-huh. and I think they really should do that with this one. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a fun event because it's got a, a, a week long. You come in, you set up, and you're there for the whole week. Mm-hmm. Uh, emergencies accepted, you can get out that way. Yeah. But uh, everything is, you might say, pre-1840, so uh, all your clothing, all your uh, living quarters, your food, everything is back then, you might say. Mm, interesting. And it's, it's a fun shoot. Uh, I prefer the, the little laid-back rendezvous like we have mm-hmm. uh, because there's, there's not really any requirements, no restrictions. You, you don't have to dress up for it. Mm-hmm. If you want to shoot in a baseball cap and tennis shoes, you can do that. Mm-hmm. If you dress up with your uh, buckskins, you probably get an extra point for dress. And, but it, it looks good when everybody is dressed up. Yeah, for sure. And that's, all, you know, you always encourage, encourage that. But really, this shirt that I had made for me by Stitches, one of the, the women here that, that sews. Yes, and she's very good. She's very, I, this shirt's very comfortable. I would wear this shirt in my everyday life. You know, uh-huh. and it was like, it was cheaper than almost any other shirt you'd buy at Walmart, you know. So uh-huh. it's, there's a lot of stuff that you can that you can get and be you know relatively period correct and just have a good time you know it's part of part of t- trying to take a step back slow down from our busy lives today. Yeah, and as far as footwear, uh, we don't require anything like that on mm-hmm. footwear because some people's feet will not. Uh, they just don't like moccasins. Sure. Yeah. But I personally have found that moccasins are probably one of the most comfortable shoes that I can wear. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with you there. They can be a little bit slick in the pine needles and the wet grass, mm-hmm. but uh, if you're careful, yeah, they're fine. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the one one last thing I had for you, Daryl, is if somebody wanted to get involved in rendezvous, what is the best way for them to find out about them in their local area? Is it usually through Facebook? Are there websites? You typically like in your experience, uh, that would be a good place to go. But if you're uh, around a town that's got gun stores, mm-hmm. I would go to a gun store and ask mm, them too because they should know because they're selling all the equipment. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, so you heard it from Daryl. Go to your local gun store. Check out a rendezvous. They, I can testify as somebody who's new, they are some of the most fun things I've ever experienced. I mean, it's just a great time to just slow down, take a step back and um, just enjoy shooting black powder. So, Daryl, I really appreciate you sitting down with us today and taking time out of your, your busy schedule. Uh, thank you very much. I, I appreciate trying to get some word out to everybody and let them know what kind of fun we're really having. Exactly, yep. All right, well, I have some black powder guns to shoot, so I'm going to get to it. We will see you guys on the next episode of the Muzzleloaders Podcast. If you haven't already, hit subscribe, click the link below, and uh, we'll receive notifications whenever we post content. And we will see you on the next episode.